Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger. On this episode of Jill on Money, we are focusing in on the SECURE Act. You know, I do lots of consumer seminars all over the country, and whenever I talk about the Roth, people always ask me, yeah, it sounds good, but can I trust the government to keep its word that it will always be tax-free? And my answer now is absolutely not. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Just before the end of the year, Congress passed and the president signed a sweeping new reform to retirement rules. It's called the SECURE Act. And a lot of you folks who went through your holidays blithely ignoring it, good for you, are now asking questions. So we have an expert here. We have our old pal, Ed Slot. He is a retirement plan expert. He's a CPA. We have him for two segments. So thank goodness this first show is going to focus on the SECURE Act. And then in a subsequent episode, we'll talk about your tax planning. So here's our interview with Ed Slot. You're listening to Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger. Ed, you know, we start the show with a very simple question. Yeah. What is your best career or financial decision you've ever made? The best investment, if I have to say, is in my own business, if you know what you're doing. You know, the stock market's all good, but it's other people controlling things. You started as a CPA, right? right? I still am a CPA, but I always invested in things I knew about myself and my business, and that always paid paid off the best. Now, I don't know if everybody can do that, but whatever job, whatever talents or unique ability you have, that's probably your best investment to get more out of that. Did you go into business yourself straight out, or did you do public no, accounting I wor- first? No, I worked for, uh, came out of co- like everybody, came out of college begged for work in 1976. Last year was my 43rd tax season. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much out of that. I don't do that many returns anymore. I have a unique practice now, just family. That Which may be actually not very good clients. No, no, no they're the worst, <laughs> especially my young nephews and nieces that move for, you know, state to state. They're everywhere. They're the hardest returns ever. All right. So in the middle of last year, we had some notion about what this SECURE Act was going to do. So let me start by asking asking you after understanding what you thought it was going to do were you surprised by any parts of the secure act that were notable like sort of last minute yeah there were a couple of things in there but probably too esoteric like for one of the things they did they eliminated the age for being able there was an age restriction on being able to contribute to a traditional IRA not a Roth you could always contribute to a Roth at any age which was good but yet for traditional IRAs you could not contribute for the year you turned 70 and a half or older so they got rid of that what was the premise of not allowing you to do it, they, it no it's just the way they were parallel systems and they never sort of uh, met anywhere. Okay. So the Roth rules were always kind of opposite IRAs. Roths came in later. So IRAs were behind the the eight ball or something. <laughs> and finally somebody realized, why aren't they the same? Just like you asked. Right. And so they eliminated the age restriction. So people who are working after 70 and a half can still contribute to a traditional IRA. But that being said, why bother? I mean, you know, really, uh, at that point, if you're still working after 70 and a half, do a Roth IRA. At this point, who needs a tax deduction? Not only that, they put a little quirk in there, which 
I don't know how it got into the law, and I hope nobody even hears this anymore, but if you do a deductible IRA after 70 and a half, and you also want to give to charity through this qualified charitable distribution provision, which is one of the best provisions in the tax code. We call it a QCD, where you can contribute directly from your IRA to the charity. If you do both, Somehow Congress didn't like that. And they put in this complicated formula where you won't get the benefit of the QCD. And it can actually turn it into something taxable. So without going into the weeds on this, because it's bizarre, I don't know who put it into the tax code. Like of all the billions that were given away in this last minute tax deal, the one thing Congress was most worried about is people doing a deductible IRA and giving too much to charity. That's where they were worried about the budget deficit hitting over a trillion dollars. Anyway, don't do that. If you're over 70 and a half, the good thing is you can still contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth. You're better off doing a Roth. The only problem is some people, if they make a lot of money, can't do a Roth because there's income limitations. So if that's you, you can do what we call the backdoor Roth, where now you can contribute something Congress probably didn't intend, contribute to a traditional IRA and convert to a Roth even if you're over 70 and a half. But the good thing that it opens up, if one spouse, if you have a married couple, and even one of them is working still at age 75, which is not unheard of anymore, you know, after 70 and a half, then both spouses can put money in an IRA and double your contributions. That's one part of like a weird part of the SECURE Act. Yeah. One thing that became interesting also was that the required minimum distribution yeah. age is increasing from 70 and a half, which was always wacky to me, yeah. a half, yeah. to 72. I presume that you think that's just fine, right? <laughs> the whole act is, other than some big parts, is trimming around the edges, the things that they say help people. Uh, for example, we just talked about the 70 and a half. I don't know how many people over 70 and a half are going to start putting money in IRAs, but they should be going the other way. Remember, on that other provision, if you're putting money in, it also has to come out at age 72 now. So they have 70 half, 72. But raising the RMD age to 72 and getting rid of the 70 and a half, I think is the single best provision. You don't know how many people over the years, and this was in place for decades, got confused about the half year. They didn't know, oh, is I 70? Was I 71? What age do I look at? When do I start? When is my date? People would call up and when am I 70 and a half? So all of that's out. The half-year convention is gone. Good riddance. That's the best part of it. But it really wasn't a big change. So they raised the date you can delay RMDs, your required minimum distributions, from 70 and a half all the way up to 72. So, yeah, if you have the money, you can wait another year and a half. But the Treasury's own numbers say that doesn't affect 80% of the people mm. because 80% of the people take more than their RMD because they need the money. Only 20% don't need the money. So for that 20%, they can delay it a year and a half. All right, let's talk about some other provisions. You know I'm leaving stretch to the very okay, end, okay? Yeah. We're not doing that immediately because <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to get worked up. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of things that I um, – let me give you my thing that okay. made me nuts. The annuity All right. inside of the 401K. Okay, now, but everyone – Ed just raised his eyebrows and made one of these kind of faces that was like, oh, boy, this is not going to be a good thing. Well, so, it is a good thing, but it's also something to worry about. What they were trying to do is bring back something called 
pensions. You may have heard of these. Yes, these I heard. These were checks people got years and years ago. Yes, back in the 70s and 80s. For absolutely nothing. And companies hated the idea of paying ex-employees for not working. Yes. So they switched over back in the late 70s, early 80s to something called 401ks and pensions for most people went by the wayside. Well, now people are worried about having their all their 401ks tied to the market. What if they get out and there's a crash like happened? So uh, what they did in the tax law, they said, you know, more companies should be offering some kind of guaranteed income like a pension, which is what an annuity does, guaranteed income for life. Now, 401ks could always offer these things, but they didn't generally in the past because the employers, the companies, didn't want to be on the hook like saying, you know, get this annuity and then they'd get sued because they didn't know what they were talking about. They're, they're in the widgets business. They're not in the annuity right. business. Or that the insurance company went broke right. and now right. what happens? So what they did in the law said, we still want people to be able to get these lifetime income options, which I think is a good thing. People should have some guaranteed income for at least their basic living expenses. That's where annuities can come in. So now they lifted all the obligations of the employer saying, don't worry, you, you don't have to worry. You could offer anything you want. You won't get blamed. If they have a problem, they can go to the insurance company. So here's the problem. A lot of things are going to be sold to employees in plans and the boss is going to say, yeah, this is what the guy showed me. I guess it's okay. Maybe it's not, or maybe it is, but you won't know. So what you should do, the idea is good. I'm a big believer in having some kind of guaranteed income in retirement, and that's where annuities come in, at least for your basic living expenses. But if it's offered in your plan, in other words, you're going to take a chunk of your 401k and turn it into a lifetime income, a stream of income, a pension like they used to have in the past. But you should have your own financial advisor or your own advocate, not your employer who do, who knows absolutely nothing about this. And not a representative from the insurance company. Right. You're going to have to have somebody on your side, somebody looking out for you. You're on your own otherwise. You should not just accept, and that's where I fear is going to happen. People will be offered things at work. They don't look for their own. Some of them don't even have their own advisors. Like, who are you going to ask about Jill it? on Money or right. Ed Slot. And I think that the <laughs> So that's big, the only problem with it. And I think that's a big one. Okay, because annuities are opaque, they're expensive. So what we know, and I'm sure you've encountered this, is that you meet, let's say, your average teacher who's got a 403B. Mm -hmm. And they've got the crappiest annuity contract inside of that 403B. And you scratch your head and say, how did you get that? Well, they weren't advised properly. But again, the idea of an annuity is not a bad idea for guaranteed income yeah, for life. Yeah, if you can get TIAA craft, right. that would be wonderful. Like some low-cost annuity. There are a lot of new, they, there are new annuities out there now, but you have to have somebody that takes you through all the bells and whistles. One aspect of the SECURE Act that I thought was good was this idea of translating a total account value into a monthly or an annual amount in oh, the right. future. Because I do think think that sometimes people will look at a, at a portfolio and they're, you know, it's my 401k and they say, oh, there's a half Ooh, a million. Three, yeah, right. Do- right. They've got a half a million dollars in there. And, and you or I look at that and be like, uh, good luck with that. Yeah. That's 400 a month or right. something. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. So I think that is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think there's probably good news for small businesses who can make, can band together to offer yeah, plans. I, I don't know. You know, it are they going to do it? No. Uh, it sounds good, but 
think about if you're in a small business, you're going to get together and maybe it'll catch on, maybe not. Get together with other employers you don't know in different businesses and you're going to have this big 401k. You know, most small businesses don't do these plans because they, they can't afford the paperwork. They're afraid of getting sued all the time. They're afraid of their employees losing money. They have to run a business. If they have 10 or 15 or three employees, they don't want to get started with this. Yes, they could band together and there's incentives to do it. How many will? I guess it remains to be seen, but it sounds better than it might play out in, in reality. How about the ability for part-timers oh, to have an expanded, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they reduce the number of hours from 1,000 right, to 500. But again, I hate to be like Debbie Downer on everything, but these are the kind of people that that lived paycheck to paycheck, and many of them can't afford to put money away. They're going freelance job to job. The big issues they didn't really hit. That's why I said the whole act was really trimming around the edges. The centerpiece was more availability of the annuities because at least they recognize people need guaranteed monthly income for the rest of their lives. You see, that's the optimistic take. Yeah. I, you don't want to know the pessimistic yeah. take? Because the insurance lobby killed them. Okay, yeah. come on. <laughs> I'll say it out loud. This is Jill on Money. Hey, gang, it's me, Jill Schlesinger. You know that. You're listening to the pod. Certified financial planner, CBS News business analyst, host of this here podcast, Jill on Money. And I am here to tell you about our sponsor, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. They're helping people achieve financial well-being with simple and transparent banking products, including Clarity Money. That's a free personal finance management app that's part of the Marcus family. Clarity Money is your AI-powered financial champion that shows you a simple view of your finances together in one place. They recently launched a weekly budgeting feature that you've just got to try. The app does the hard part for you and calculates your average weekly spend by category. You can take that information so you can set informed budget goals based on what matters most to you. You can also subscribe to Budget Alerts to help keep you on track. And start with a clean slate every week. Who doesn't want that? It's super easy to use and can make a task like budgeting kind of fun. So go check it out. Download Clarity Money through Google Play or iTunes or visit Marcus.com forward slash Clarity. And now back to our interview with Ed Slot. What about the idea that you can take money out of your plan for adoption or new baby oh, yeah, yeah. or to pay off All right. or get money out of your 529. Student loan, yeah. Now, okay, 529, I don't really care about. Yeah, Rich people either. use that. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I get it and I love it and right. good for Mark and I'm glad that we have a nice account for Theo building up. But yeah. the reality is I don't love the idea that people can get money out of their retirement accounts. I said that the minute that provision was put in there and I have to be so careful how I say it. I'm not against birth and adoption. You know, yeah, that's you have like, children. Uh, that's like <laughs> Christmas and hot dogs. You can't be against these things. <laughs> but the idea of a retirement account is for retirement. Uh, this business that you can raid your retirement savings for 5000 every time you have a birth or an adoption means you'll have nothing later when you need it most. But there's a big trap in there, and I've seen this happen with similar provisions like this over the years. What happens is people are not well-educated on this. So the people that might use it think they can take 5000 out if they need money out of their 401k or IRA 
if they have a baby or they adopt a baby, and that's the end of it. All this does, it eliminates the 10% penalty for taking it out early. It does not eliminate the tax. You still owe the tax. So here's what I see happening. Somebody takes 5000 out and they spend it because they need it. Right. Next year, tax time comes around. They owe $1,500. Well, what are we going to do now? Well, I guess hit the retirement account again. And all of a sudden, you're in this cycle where you just go through your retirement savings. That's what it's for, retirement. It should only be a last resort. So you can really get yourself in trouble. All of these exceptions to getting to your money to retirement before retirement sound good until you hit retirement and you have no money left. This is what Boston College Center for Retirement Research called leakage, which right. is they said, here's the problem. We're letting these people get to their money too quickly. I even asked a friend of mine who's a teacher in New York State, and I said, what if somebody really needs the money from their pension? She goes, what do you mean? There's no loan against your pension. Right, right. This, you, that's it. You right. pay in, it's locked down, you get it for retirement. So, I think that the problem is that these have become too leaky. There's too many yeah. the loans, the withdrawals, and all the different the house. Like, this is nuts. We're really making it harder for people right. to retire securely. All right, you ready to do the stretch? Oh, boy, yeah. Okay, now, first of all, let's go back in history. A hundred years ago, when I first became a financial planner, it was always the rule that if a spouse inherited a retirement account, You got to basically take that over and it became your own retirement account, right? right? Okay. Non-spouse inherited a retirement account 30 years ago. You used to have to get the money out within five years? Well, there were a whole myriad of rules, but basically over the last 20 years or so, they changed that. Actually, IRS changed it in regulation, said a non-spouse could stretch or extend distributions over their lifetime. But that wasn't always the case. In other words, years ago, didn't we have a five-year window yeah, to get the money five out? Year, there was all kinds of rules. Okay. I don't even want to go back there because you don't have to know them anyway. I understand, but I just want people to yeah. frame it, that it used to be a system where the IRS said... Yeah. Non-spouse, you get the money. Within five years, you got to get the money out. Uncle Sam gets paid. There was always some version of a life expectancy, but it was hard to get until IRS created the regs uh, back in 2001, over 20 years ago. And everybody who is a named beneficiary, even a grandchild, could stretch or extend distributions over over like 70, 80 years. Okay, so now, under the new SECURE Act, the rule is you are a non-spouse... You inherit this retirement account. You can no longer stretch it over your lifetime. You now have to take that money out over 10 years. Right. Okay. Now, this is causing people to have apoplexy. I know. And like the fetching that is going on is beyond. Now, Ed, I need you to just like back up before you (laughs) dive in. Most people who inherit IRAs need the money anyway, right? right? They're going to spend the money. Is it true? This is a bad way to ask a question if I were a litigator. Isn't it true? It sounds like Perry Perry Mason. Isn't it true? Okay. (laughs) Is it true that we are actually talking about a fraction of the population that can basically say, I don't need the money. I might as well stretch it out. So it really is a benefit the richer you are, right? Right, right. Okay. Now, with that said. Now you can tell me All why right, it's there's bad. There's two sides to the story. Congress is saying, the few congressmen that even know this was in the act, uh, <laughs> that may be one. They're going to know now. Yeah. Congressmen say, well, it's for retirement. It's not for estate planning to leave over to your beneficiaries. But 
I know people that have been planning this way and arranged their life around the tax laws for 20, 30 years and said, well, this is why I didn't live lavishly. I always felt it would be more like the millionaire next door type workers. Remember, these are not wealthy Wall Street type people or whatever. The only way you could ever get money in an IRA or the 401k was by working for it. That's the only way money could get into a retirement account. So these people work for 20, 30 years, saved, frugally, invested with discipline. They said, you know what? We don't need all this. We want to name our child or grandchild. And our plan, playing by the rules all along, was that when we die, they could have a legacy that we could leave to them. As a matter of fact, I remember years ago, an older client, she was in her 90s. She loved the idea of the stretch IRA because she left it to her grandchildren. She said, I don't know if you're aware, like of the rules, when you set up an inherited IRA, it always it has to have the deceased name in the title. And she loved the idea that they would always have an account with her name in the title. So she, so they would always remember it came from her. Oh, so now all these people got the rug pulled out from them in the ninth inning of the game. And they felt, you know, this is unfair. They're changing the rules right at the end of the game. Of course, what? your kids could always have taken it out early. They could have always yeah. taken it out Now that's years. true. Now they're forced to. A lot of kids would have taken it out earlier anyway. Matter of fact, some kids take it out right right away. And now they say, oh, I have 10 years. Maybe I'll wait longer. So, okay, now. The downside of this rule is that it is an instance where the IRS did something a little bit weird and the government is doing something weird, which is they didn't grandfather people in. And so this Uh, is a real... Well, they did grandfather people in. Anybody who died in 19 or earlier, if you inherited on December 31st, 19, and you were two years old, you could still go out your 80 years. But you can't do it to the next generation. Okay, but what I think you're saying is it's not so much that the rule that the rule is so blatantly unfair. It's just that the change really disrupted planning. Exactly. And so if they could do that, they could do things like, you know what? Maybe uh, Roth IRAs, right. we will tax the accumulation. You have hit it right on the head. You know, I do lots of consumer seminars all over the country. And whenever I talk about the Roth, people always ask me, yeah, it sounds good, but can I trust the government to keep its word that it will always be tax-free? And my answer now is absolutely not. When they need money, when they start you know, going under the couch cushions looking for spare change for this trillion-dollar deficit that they created – Everything's at risk. Your your retirement accounts are now under siege. They will always be looking for ways to separate you from your retirement savings because it's a trap now. You're a sitting duck. They told you all along, put money in your IRAs, your 401k. Come on, put it in, put it in, put it in. Now it's in there. Now we got you. So do you still... <laughs> think that the Roth IRA is something worth doing. Yeah, because it removes the uncertainty of what future higher taxes can do to your standard of living. Plus, with the SECURE Act, with the 10-year rule, it's still a better asset to inherit because if you're leaving a big IRA to your beneficiaries who have to get it out and pay tax in 10 years... Uh, that could accelerate the taxation and the beneficiaries might be in their peak earnings years and rates could go higher. If you convert now to a Roth using today's much lower rates, they still have to take it out at the end of 10 years, but it can stay there for 10 years growing tax-free. And when they have to pull it out, it'd be all tax-free because you pay. Unless they change the rules. Unless they change the rules. But that that they would grandfather, just like they grandfathered these. So I would say get the Roth while it's here before the government starts reaching into your pocket again. Okay. 
in sum, Secure Act, letter grade, the Ed slot, it's an F or an A. What is the grade, the total grade for the whole Secure Act? Uh, probably a D. Wow. Well, because it didn't do much and created more complexity. I don't really see any benefits other than the big annuity benefit, which has its every benefit has its drawbacks. That's the problem. The annuity thing is great, but you got to get your own advice. I believe that's a big part. And I do believe in people having guaranteed income because you cannot rely on the stock market for everything for your retirement savings. Look what happened in 2008 and 9. Those people could not recover who were retired then. So you do need some guaranteed income. So that's a good thing. But the others were trimming around the edges. There was no debate. Obviously, you know, they pushed it through at the last minute. Most people weren't even uh, were amazed like me that it got thrown in at the last minute by the lobbyists, as you said. The best thing is getting rid of that half year for 70 and a half. But the other things created problems. There are some good, maybe maybe a C or a D. All right. So we'll give it a D plus C. C. I'll even go up to C. Now I think about the for the half year 70. I think there's improvements they can make to it. A gentleman's C for yeah. the SECURE Act. Okay, Ed, in the beginning of our conversation, I asked you your best career or money decision. So let me ask you now, what's your worst? Oh, uh, uh, these... Uh I don't know what they called them, but back in the 80s, these limited partnerships, all of these, they would come in with the fancy brochure. And here's my rule. that The more pages the glossy brochure has about how you're going to make all these money in these master limited partnerships or whatever they call them, stay away from that stuff. It only looks good in the brochure. Your money's tied up forever. And back in the 80s, I learned my lesson because people were doing this for these 10 to 1 write-offs. Then they shut all that down with the 86 Tax Act. So people, and I had clients, sophisticated, smart, good, smart people that got their minds turned to mush by salesmen that said, but look at the taxes you'll save. And I would say to them, but you're going to lose your money. And I did that myself. I got caught up in it in the mid 80s. I would never do it again. You know, yes, you did get tax benefits, but your reason you got the tax benefits because you lost your money. Yes. So you you got to claim a fraction, but you (laughs) lost the dollar, right? Right. Okay. Ed Slot. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much to Ed Slott. He'll be back for a little tax planning episode as well. We drop new episodes of Jill on Money every Tuesday and Thursday, and sometimes we throw in a bonus. And if you want to make sure not to miss any episodes, subscribe to us. You can do that anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a few spare minutes, if you wouldn't mind, leave us a rating or a review. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13, and the show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. See you next week.